0: Good morning, everybody. Good to be here today. (coughs) So, excuse me. (coughs) I've got one, actually. So, um, we're doing the Beatitudes, as you should know by now. And here it is on screen. Um, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, I'd like you to put your hand up if you've got this as a fridge magnet at home hands up oh Andy okay (laughs) so um, this is the final beatitude and it continues verse uh, 11 to 12 blessed are you when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So as you know, we've been doing the Beatitudes. And um, as Ken said, right at the beginning, we talked about the kingdom in Matthew 5.3. And it ends with the kingdom in this verse. So I'd I'd like to kind of define some terms. So blessed. What does blessed mean? I'm just throwing that out there while I have a drink. Anybody know what blessed means? Happy. Yeah, anybody else? Anything else? Right, okay. It means blessed. It means blessed, obviously. Fortunate to be envied. Now, in Strong's Concordance, and he should be right, um, it means to be fully satisfied. It refers to those receiving God's favor regardless of the circumstances. So that's good news, isn't it? So to be persecuted means to pursue. And righteousness, being persecuted for righteousness, what do we mean by righteousness? People talk a lot, don't they, about being right and doing the right thing. Um, Does anybody know what the last verse in Judges says? Anybody know? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But the last verse of Judges ends with this. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Is that true righteousness? No. no. And it describes today, doesn't it? Very much so. So what, is, what does God consider righteousness? And what does Jesus mean? Righteousness is the quality of being right in the eyes of God, including our character, our conscience, our conduct, our words and deeds, basically. So righteousness is based on God's standard. He's the lawgiver, not on man's standard. So what is persecution? Well, in the dictionary, persecution is cruel and unfair treatment of a person or group, especially because of their religious or political beliefs or their race. So as I said, persecuted literally means to pursue. And in the Concordance, it says to run after, usually with hostile intent, chase, put to flight, hunt, pursue. So why are people persecuted? Well, we know, don't we? Race, ethnic origin, gender, background, disability. Often people are persecuted because they're not part of the group. they, They don't belong to us, as it were. We can think of things like the slave trade. We can think of the Holocaust. We can think about... On what you know, um, the persecution on a massacre with the genocides Darfur, Rwanda, Cam- Cambodia all these things, but we're not looking at that. What we're looking at today specifically is those that are persecuted because they're following Jesus. So who are those persecuted followers of Jesus? We have biblical examples <coughs> excuse me, examples through history, examples today. So I just want to look at a couple of people in the Old Testament. Now, as it said um, in verse, I think, verse 11 and 12, that Jesus said that those that followed Jesus would be persecuted in the same way as the prophets were. So can anybody think about people in the Old Testament who were persecuted? Chuck me out a few names. You can talk, permission to speak. Who? Absolutely, Jeremiah. Anybody else? Elijah. 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 Daniel. Daniel. Amos. Amos. Yeah, he's a bit more obscure, but well done. I can't remember why he was persecuted, (laughs) but anyway. But, you know, even if we think of Joseph, he was persecuted, wasn't he, by his brothers? They were after him big time. He was sold into slavery, gets a great job, Potiphar, he's his servant, and then he's pursued by this... Um, Jezebel-type woman, and he fled and ended up imprisoned on false charges of rape. But as you said, Jeremiah was persecuted, he was ridiculed, he was accused, he was threatened, he was imprisoned. In Jeremiah 20, verse 14 to 18, it became so bad, he actually said he wished he'd never been born. Um, He was beaten and imprisoned in an empty system where it says that Jeremiah sank in the mire, poor old Jeremiah and he was he was lifted up out with, with ropes um, he ended up I think it was that he was stoned to death in Egypt. so anybody want to be a prophet hands up um, now David, many Psalms of David express what persecution is really like and we're just going to look at Q slide two. oh gosh I don't know if you can read this, but I'll read it anyway. Um, I can't can you read that? no yes no who's got really good eyes Rachel obviously that's good so Psalm thirty-one, fifteen. this is what David says my times are in your hand deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me and that means those who pursue me Psalm 1433 for the enemy has persecuted my soul he has crushed my life the ground he has made me dwell in darkness like those who have been long dead and Psalm 142 uh, verse 6 says this is in the contemporary English version that Version I like this help they are chasing me and they are too strong I mean that's that's persecution isn't it sometimes we can feel like we're public enemy number one that the evil one has, for some reason got us as number one target and he's hell-bent on pursuing us. So let's, let's turn to the New Testament. Who is our greatest example of being persecuted? Obviously, Jesus. He is the ultimate one who was literally persecuted to death. Satan is a persecutor. So if you think, what's going on in my life? And why am I being opposed? It's quite possibly the enemy is behind it. Jesus is the persecuted. But... Jesus overcame death. He overcame everything the devil threw at him. Sin, disease, death. And he defeated Satan. In Colossians 2, verse 15, it says, Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And in Philippians 2, 8, 9, it says, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Amen. So, you know, the way up for Jesus was the way down. And very often it's the same for us, isn't it? As we uh, humble ourselves and put ourselves in those situations. Now, to get on to something a little bit more uh, real for us, There's a long passage in Matthew 10. I won't read it all. But Jesus says a lot in the scripture about being persecuted for our faith in him. He says in Luke, sorry, Matthew 10, um, verse 16, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Picture that. If you're a shepherd, the last thing you want, the, the thing that you're concerned about, there we go, there it is, thank you. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. The last thing you want is wolves around your sheep and you do everything to protect your flock, don't you, from being hunted off by wolves. But Jesus is actually saying, I'm sending you out into that situation. Oh, thanks, Jesus, that's, uh, that's great. And, and, and Jesus further says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Remember that in the New Testament, being persecuted often means being pursued and that sense that as you're pursued that you have to flee. And in the same passage, Jesus says, when they persecute you in this city, flee to another. Um, Jesus says, remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And you thought you'd come to church to be cheered up this morning. <laughs> um, but it, it will get better, trust me. <laughs> um, but this is a scripture I was given, folks, so I'm not, I'm not apologising for it. Um, so in the end of Acts 7, obviously we see persecution all the way through. At the end of Acts 7, we're introduced to Saul. He's a Pharisee, he's a legalistic zealot who approves when Stephen, the first martyr, is stoned. Um, and Saul, is, he just can't stand it. Why? Because he's a Pharisee. And who, was, who were the opponents of Jesus? The Pharisees, the religious leaders, the zealots and um, so he can't stand this so Saul, this kind of man of god apparently he wants to destroy every christian and he goes from house to house dragging them off to prison and he gets so zealous he actually goes to the high priest and says please can i have letters to go and get all of the believers from damascus pull them back to uh, jerusalem and chuck them in prison. So the high priest says, yeah, great. What a fantastic guy Saul is. So off he goes. But on the way, he meets his match, just as he's getting into Damascus, which is the Damascus Road experience. And this I find really interesting. Um, A light flashes from heaven. Saul, he became Paul, falls to the ground, and he hears the voice of Jesus saying... Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I suddenly thought, why does Jesus say, why are you persecuting me? Why doesn't he say, why why are you persecuting them? And I think the issue is that Jesus takes it very personally when his children... Are being persecuted when his children are being targeted for their faith because Jesus is—he's our savior—and he's very interested in when things are happening to us that aren't right. So when when we are persecuted, Jesus is persecuted. So no wonder he calls us blessed. Blessed are the persecuted. And there's so many examples of this. Um, and in just after this, uh, when Stephen is stoned to death. Just after this, it says, a great persecution uh, rises against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. They were okay. (laughs) They stayed at home. But isn't it interesting that it was persecution, when life was uncomfortable, that everybody was scattered out. Uh, you know, you'd like to think we'd just go out and we'd go do it, wouldn't you? You'd like to think that. But the reality is we get very comfortable. I don't know about you, but it's quite nice being comfortable and going to church and all the rest of it. But when opposition came, they literally, they they were thrust out into the harvest field. They went to into Judea and they went to Samaria. One of the first... Um, Uh, apostles in this was, or disciples, was Philip. He went out, he went down to Samaria and preached, preached the word of God. People got saved, people got healed, you know, and it was because of persecution. So just look at this next slide, and there was a great um, early Christian. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. So actually, the very thing we don't want We don't want to be any, hands up, who wants to be persecuted? Not me. We don't want it, but it will inevitably happen at some point. Um, You know, in some ways in this country, we've been very blessed, but there's a lot of enemies, aren't there, around. So, from that time, There was a lot of persecution. Then it it kind of went died down and there were seasons when it rose up and it rose down again. But the Roman Empire persecuted Christians, particularly because of their refusal to sacrifice or worship to Roman gods. And they were a convenient scapegoat. And you'll notice that in persecuted peoples, like the Jews have been a, a scapegoat through history for all the ills of society. And Rome demanded allegiance you had to say, if you were a Roman citizen, Caesar is Lord. Because Lord, in the Greek, I'm such a brilliant Greek scholar, as you know, not. Um, but but Lord means kurios, which means Lord of all. It means Lord of the whole universe. So if you were to, to walk in Rome and say Jesus is Lord, you know, you were toast, basically. And it says that um many cri- christians were crucified some were thrown to wild animals others were burned alive as living torches in nero's garden great so you know persecution of christians has continued through history thousands and thousands and thousands of believers have laid their lives down we've all got one of these haven't we no, you haven't got this particular one but you have got a bible and uh When we think what we hold in our hands, when we think how precious this is, William Tyndale, who's my hero, um, he translated into English directly from the Greek, the scripture, he did the whole of the New Testament and quite a lot of the Old Testament. And it's a huge chunk of his translation forms the basis of the Old King James Version. Um, and obviously there's been other translations since. But he was hunted down by the authorities. He had to leave England. He had to go. And um, he ended up hunted down by authorities, eventually strangled. He came to, and then he was burned at the stake. They wanted to make sure he was dead. And he died in 1536. There were around 288 reformers burnt at the stake For refusal to accept heretical teachings, and that was in uh, the 1500s. We think of people like Corrie Ten Boom, you know, who hid Jews during the Holocaust. Her and her family and her father and her sister died in concentration camps, but she was released and then went round testifying. Incredible people, incredible people. So, you know, what about today? I'm sure it doesn't take you very long to think about the enemies of Christianity. We have very militant religious ideologies. We have very militant political ideologies. We think of communism in China. It's an atheist state. North Korea, which we'll see about in a moment, governed by a totalitarian dictator who is revered, having godlike status. But what about us? We're living in a time when there's militant, secularist ideologies that are at the door. And they're operating in the West to impose their agendas. You know, cancel culture, wokeism, whatever you want to call it. But there's people (coughs) that are in the public arena that just want to push God out. Well, certainly our God, Jesus, they want to push out. Um, I don't know about you, but when I was at school, we always used to have... um, a Bible reading every single day. But if, you're, if you've been at school, rec- who's had that actually? Who remembers hearing the Bible at school? Can you put your hands up? Right, those of you that haven't heard that, you know, it, it's the way it's going now. We certainly don't do that now. Uh, not at all. Um, <laughs> having all kinds of stuff, but anyway. So there's a lot of agendas and... Currently, Christianity is the most persecuted religion in the whole world. And Open Doors is one of several charities dedicated to equipping the persecuted church. And they produce what's called the World Watch List, which has the 50 places where it is hardest to be a Christian. Now, it's really difficult to get your head around statistics, but... It's reached the highest levels now since this World Watch list began nearly 30 years ago. Listen to this. More than 360 million Christians face high levels of persecution and discrimination for their faith. That represents one in seven Christians worldwide. And the total number of Christians killed for their faith in 2022, last year, which we know of, was 5 1898 that's 16 Christians every single day of last year were killed for their faith that's what we know about so I just want to show you this clip cue the clip thanks guys and it's just by Open Doors hopefully what would you dare to do for Jesus mission. Thank you. Okay, so we can see so much need there, physical, spiritual. What can we do? We can give, we can pray, and like Paul said, remember. He said, remember my chains. If if it's something that touches you, obviously there's loads and loads of um, charities out there, particularly Open Doors, Release International, Christian Solidarity Worldwide. Um, So just Google these things and you you can watch those and uh, contribute if you want to. Some um, decades ago, I actually wrote a thesis on the suffering church, and I was really interested in the subject and moved by their courage. This was prior to the fall of the Berlin Wall. The church was undergoing severe persecution um, in Eastern Europe and the former Soviet Union. The further East you went, the worse it got. Anybody heard of Brother Andrew? And his book, uh, God's Smuggler, it's the most, if you haven't read it, read it, it's the most fantastic book. I mean, it's incredible, really, but the, the, the persecution um, and lack of resources is in Poland at that time, you know. And all of the Eastern Bloc countries, think about the freedom that there is now, but for how long, we don't know, do we? Um, I was so inspired about it, and God's Smuggler is all about smuggling Bibles into... Into Eastern Europe, he went to Soviet Union as it was then. But later, he went to places in Asia and North, uh, sorry, South America, and so on. During the research, I read a book by an American missionary, David in, David Benson, uh, called "Miracle in Moscow." He travelled to Russia and met with believers, and I made some notes on this. and He's in Russia, okay, and one day um, he only had an English translation and somebody came up to him, a man said, can I have a Bible? And David Benson gave him an English Bible and said, I'm, I'm really sorry, this is in English. So the man said, oh, he was so grateful, he said, I will learn English so I can read the Bible. Um, and there's just incredible stories, that I'm sure, happen now that Bibles found their way into prisons a page at a time. Um, they'd had this method where you would learn everything on that page, swallow it, and then go and tell, repeat everything that you've memorized to someone. And everybody would do that. And that way, you would get some of the Bible. <laughs> You're literally eating the word of God. Um, but there was an incredible story which sounds... You know, you can think, how can you believe this? There was a a believer and he desperate to get a Bible and he couldn't get one. And one day he borrowed a copy. He read the entire New Testament, which I've got here. He read all of that. Um, He read all, yeah, sorry, he read it through once. And afterwards he was able to quote practically anything from the New Testament. And you think, That's impossible. And he was asked, and this this man explained, David said, well, how can you do that? And this is what he said. He said, you see, when you long for something and then it is placed in your hands, your powers of concentration are heightened. People here have learned to memorize whole chapters from the Bible quickly and accurately. They can hear a hymn once and repeat all the verses. It's their motivation. No, one, no one's hungry when there's a surfeit of food, and uh, do we appreciate what we, what we have? Do we treasure our Bibles? I mean, I don't know about you, but if I went home, I, I'd count quite a lot of Bibles. Um, but it says in the Bible, doesn't it, that those that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Okay. So you've received all this stuff and you say, oh my goodness, what do I do with this? It all sounds very overwhelming. You can feel like you're kind of a, a second-class or third-class Christian, um, but don't, because they pray for us, because you see in those places, either you are a Christian or you're not, you're not wishy-washy, you know, you're not uh, straddling two things. In the West, it's very easy, isn't it, to be sort of... Um, Yeah, I believe, but it's kind of like a lifestyle. Um, But there, it's 100%. Either you're for it or you're not. And they pray for us, too. We're simply called to follow Jesus in our lives and our contexts. And I like what Brother Andrew said. He said, the real calling is not to a certain place or career, but to everyday obedience. And that call is extended to every Christian, not just a select few. So I think we're called to think globally, but act locally, as has been said. So if if you think, well, what can I do? I'm a mum at home. What can I do? I've got this job. What can I do? I'm at college. That's where God wants you, because everybody has to get saved. So God's putting us in your street. You know, you are in your street, in your workplace, in your home for such a time as this. So please don't go away from this thinking, what can I do? Who am I? Please don't think that. You know, we're not seeking a career in martyrdom um, or we want to be a hero and deliberately disobey the law of the land so, you know, we can get brownie points with Jesus. I mean, it's not like that, is it? We need to pursue uh, God. I think... One of the things I'm just sort of coming into the land, as it were, in the West, one of the issues is free speech at the moment. I don't know if any of you have encountered that, certainly in the school context where I am. You know, there's a growing issue over it. People are literally losing jobs today because they're making a stand on, on social issues. Some people who silently pray in certain venues are arrested. People that maybe wear a cross, they're forbidden to do that everybody's got an opinion, but, so where do we go from here? And I've just got a few things here. Number one is be rooted in our faith. If you can remember the parable of the sower, how many, how many, um, what am I trying to say? Where did the seed land? How many places? Four, thank you. So there's three groups of people, though, that aren't fruitful. And in the second group are those in Matthew 13, 20 to 21. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. I was really struck by that. Has no root in himself. Do we have a root in ourselves? And then I kind of saw of Ephesians to be rooted and grounded in Christ's love. That's how we're rooted, not by doing loads of things. Ephesians 3 uh, says, I pray, uh, this is verse 17, I pray that you being rooted and established and in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Isn't that great? That's what Jesus is calling us to. It's simple, isn't it? Just be rooted and grounded in God's love in your context, in your life. Secondly, pray. Obviously, uh, Jesus commands us to love our enemies and pray for those that persecute us. But treasure the Bible, you know, treasure the Bible. I know they're not outlawing it now, but who knows? So it's much easier to turn the telly on and watch a podcast or whatever you do. Scroll social media. It's so much easier. But I've found, and I think it's been said here already, that the more you read, the more you want to read. Um, and then and this is going to sound really weird, but I I've, I've put here, don't wear a hair shirt. In other words, does anybody know what a hair shirt is? In the Middle Ages, particularly, you know, there's this kind of self-flagellation, and oh, I'm a sinner, so I've got to do something terrible to myself. And they would literally put on um, hair of an animal against their chest, against their body, so that they could be feeling really incredibly uncomfortable. And just somehow they, th- they thought <laughs> they would deal with the flesh like that. I would suggest go to Freedom in Christ, lot less painful, <laughs> lot less painful. Um, we don't have to beat ourselves up, you know. Please don't do that. I hope that, I, I wouldn't want you to go away from today beating yourself up. So don't wear a hair shirt. You know, I'm not saying don't wear a thermal vest, but um, <laughs> that's okay. But it was a form of punishment, and to make it really bad, they were you could put in some creepy crawlies as well. So who's starting to feel itchy already? Um, so don't do that. You know, be be a Christian and enjoy it. And that's really what I f- want to finish on: joy, um, not deep joy, but but joy, joy, and. Uh, <laughs> It says in Hebrews 12, verse 2, that Jesus endured the cross. Why? Thank you for the joy that was set before him. Why was he, what joy did he have? What was the joy? Us. Because of us. He endured the cross because of us. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that amazing? So at least four letters of Paul's were written from prison Ephesians, I mean that's just got to be one of the most amazing books ever. Philippians, Colossians and Philemon. But the book of Philippians, joy is an incredible characteristic of that book. Do you know that the idea of rejoicing occurs more than 16 times? And Paul is in prison writing this. And he's writing to a church that's actually going through times of persecution. And he writes to them... It's been granted to you to suffer for the Lord's sake. But, you know, so neither Jesus nor Paul minimised the um, intense pain of suffering, and neither should we. You know, we can't go around being joyful that people have been persecuted. Absolutely no way. We should be praying and standing with people. But we need to point beyond this broken world to the joy that's set before us and the joy that we can have here too. And you know what? I just want you to, yeah, PowerPoint number seven slide. Let's just read this through. Blessed are those... What stands out to you? It says rejoice. But also, you're noticing the first bit, blessed are those who are persecuted. You can read that and think, yeah, yeah, that's for them. That's that's fine. Blessed are the me, blessed are the pure in heart. It's for somebody else. But then Jesus says, does this kind of, uh uh-oh, it's this, blessed are you. When people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you but then he says rejoice and this final beatitude is the only one which has a connection with joy and i i think that's amazing really you know and uh i just want to leave that with you as something to to connect with it seems beyond us doesn't it and it but paul writes when i am weak then i am strong now just to close i sort of want to bring it to us and some of this you may think that's kind of out there and you may not feel it's relevant but who hasn't had some suffering in this life (laughs) please put your hands up i'd love to talk to you (laughs) um you know suffering can be all kinds of things it can be physical pain there's people we know in the church, like Ken, who's going through a lot of pain. There's people that are going through emotional pain, mental pain. But, but also, there's a lot of ill-treatment, um, which can border on persecution. We've heard some horrible stories in the press, haven't we, of particularly women that have been hounded and stalked and end up being murdered. And this is a thing of being, like, hunted in the, and David speaks in the Psalms of that, of how he felt. But I wonder today if there's people that have experienced or are experiencing bullying in school or the workplace, uh, maybe domestic problems in the home, uh, maybe even being stalked or harassed as individuals, possibly through social media. Um, uh, you know, I want to talk to people perhaps online as well. I don't know why, but I've just had this sense, it's been with me the last couple of days, perhaps particularly people at work. So there's something going on at work, but there may be something going on at home. There may be something going on for you individually. And there may be other situations or things that have touched you today through the worship, through um, this word. So I'm going to ask the band to come up, and wherever they are, and... um, And maybe we could just uh, think about that. And I just want to open this area for prayer. But maybe you want somebody to pray with you individually. Whatever it is, there are people here to pray with you. So I'm going to hand over to the band. I'll, I'll be around and other people will be here to pray for you. So is that okay? Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Angie?